People, we are live on the internet. I'm Dave Rubin, this is The Rubin Report, and we've got another Friday roundtable extravaganza for you. We're doing something special today. Only two guests, that's right. Well, two plus me, am I a guest on my own show? Three of us, instead of the normal four on a Friday. Joining me today is the opinion editor at Newsweek, Josh Hammer, and the editor-in-chief of the post-millennial Libby Emmons. Josh, Libby, how are you crazy kids? Dave, Shabbat Shalom. Great to be back with you, my friend. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom, my friend. Libby, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's good to have you guys on. I should note up top that, uh, Josh, every week now there's another hit piece dropped by the Southern Poverty Law Center or Media Matters or somebody on you. Often the hit pieces include me, so I'm very excited that Libby can be part of it too and we can definitely get some hit pieces written about us after uh, what we say today. So that's the, that's the theme of the show today. That's exciting. <laughs> With that table set like that, I guess the expectations are very high. Let's see if we can match them. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Let's see if they can do Tucker-level work with us today. Uh, basically, we're going to recap uh, the week. The, there's so much happening right now between these Biden files and more Twitter files and just general COVID craziness as people are realizing the vaccines just simply did not work and actually may have done more damage than good. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, the, the Twitter files really have been the main uh, thing over the last couple of weeks. Just we're, we're learning about government censorship. We're learning about cover-ups. We're learning about collusion with uh, not only big tech, but corporate media and the whole freaking thing. Uh, Matt Taibbi, who is, uh, who is a lefty journalist, or at least has been a lefty journalist his whole life. He is one of the guys uh, that Elon Musk has been leaking these Twitter files to. Uh, he had a long thread yesterday about Russiagate, uh, and of course, Russiagate, which ultimately led to Donald Trump being impeached and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, it basically sounds like the entire thing was a complete fabrication. So he had a crazy long thread. We picked just some of the highlights, so bear with me as I read some of these for you here, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. So, uh, thread, Twitter files 14, the Russiagate lies. The fake tale of Russian bots and the hashtag release the memo hashtag. At a crucial moment in a years-long furor, Democrats denounced a report about flaws in the Trump-Russia investigation, saying it was boosted by Russian bots and trolls. Twitter officials were aghast, finding no evidence of Russian influence. We are feeding congressional trolls, not any significant activity connected to Russia putting the cart before the horse, assuming this is propaganda slash bots. These are obviously quotes from Twitter employees. Uh, four, Twitter warned politicians and media the, that not only they locked, lacked evidence, but had evidence the accounts weren't Russian and were roundly ignored. On January 23rd, 2018, Senator Dianne Feinstein and Congressman Adam Schiff published an open letter saying the hashtag gained the immediate attention and assistance of social media accounts linked to Russian influence operations. Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal followed suit, publishing a letter saying, we find it reprehensible that Russian agents have so eagerly manipulated innocent Americans. Couple more for you. Feinstein, Schiff, Blumenthal, and media members all pointed to the same source, the Hamilton 68 dashboard created by former FBI counterintelligence official Clint Watts under the auspices of the Alliance for Securing Democracy. 
The dashboard, which featured a crude picture of Vladimir Putin deviously blowing evil red Twitter birds into the atmosphere, was vague in how it reached its conclusions. I encourage you to be skeptical of Hamilton's 68th take on this, which as far as I can tell is the only source for these stories, said Global Policy Communications Chief and future White House and NSC, NSC spokesman Emily Horn. She added, it's a comms play for ASD. Couple more here. Roth couldn't find any connection to the release of the memo at all. I just reviewed the accounts that posted the first 50 tweets with hashtag release the memo and none of them show any signs of affiliation to Russia. When Twitter spoke to a Blumenthal staffer, they tried to wave him off because we don't believe these are bots. Twitter executives even tried to negotiate, implying an undisclosed future PR concession if Blumenthal would lay off on this. It seems like there are other wins we could offer him. Blumenthal published his letter anyway. Execs eventually grew frustrated over what they saw as circular as a circular process presented with claims of Russian activity, even when denied led to more claims. Eventually, Twitter staff re realized Blumenthal isn't looking for real and nuanced solutions, but just wants to get credit for pushing us further. NBC, Politico, AP Times, Business Insider, and other media outlets who played up the Russian bot story, even Rolling Stone, all declined to comment for this story, meaning the Twitter files. And finally, the staffs of Feinstein, Schiff, and Blumenthal also declined to comment. Okay. So I know I got a little in the weeds there on reading a long Twitter file, but in essence, the Russian bot story, the Russian collusion story, it was all made up. And not only was it all made up, the people that were pushing it, Dianne Feinstein, Adam Schiff, Blumenthal, basically the entire Democrat machine, which ultimately led to two impeachments, certainly the first one, um, it was all complete nonsense and they knew it. Josh. What's the deal with that? <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here, Dave. I, I, I guess towards the end of the tweets that you, that you were reading there, there was one line where I guess someone at Twitter was concluding that, oh, Dick Blumenthal, the senator from Connecticut, might not be interested in particularly nuanced solutions to mm -hmm. complex problems. You know, I'm not sure that it required this level of kind of getting under the hood to un to understand that Dick Blumenthal in particular, let alone Adam Schiff or Dianne Feinstein, all these other kind of just democratic hucksters are not particularly interested in looking at things for what they are. And the Russia collusion hoax in particular, you know, I, I, I legitimately think it is non-exaggeration to say that it is a top three, arguably number yeah. one hoax that has been foisted upon the American people by the entirety of what the late great Angela Cotavilla famously referred to as our ruling class, as mm -hmm. kind of our ruling elite to control all the institutions, whether it is the law enforcement apparatus, whether it is the social media oligarchs, you know, the, the Twitter regime prior to Elon Musk, they have all been complicit in this lie. And this lie ultimately goes back, of course, to Fusion GPS, the infamous, thoroughly discredited Steele dossier. It was bought and paid for Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign funded opposition research. It, it, it has been garbage, garbage, garbage since day one. And, you know, I, I guess personally, I am thoroughly unsurprised that Twitter did not do more. You know, that, that's what, that is what my, Matt Taibbi is revealing here, did not do more to push back against these democratic efforts to quash the Devin Nunez memo. I'm, I'm unsurprised at that because, you know, the entire Jack Dorsey Twitter regime prior to Elon Musk was obviously also bought and paid for by the Democratic Party. So un unfortunately, I'm unsurprised, but, you know, I continue to be grateful to Elon Musk for leaking. I, I think, Dave, you said we're on Twitter file number 14. It's been a little hard to keep up, yeah. but uh, keep them coming. I mean, this is good stuff. So, you know, the more transparency, the better.
Libby, is the bigger issue that finding all this information out just sort of confirms what a lot of us kind of believed and that some people were reporting on, but we didn't have the exact smoking gun, but that this will not convince anyone who did not believe it in the first place. I said to you guys right before we started, I don't know since the Twitter files have started and we are on Twitter files 14, I don't know of one mainstream media member, one Democrat politician, one left-leaning pundit that has come around and said, boy, this was pretty bad related to COVID and Russia and collusion and government stepping on the First Amendment and all that stuff. I don't know anyone. So where does that put us if we just continue to, to just deviate into these separate worlds? Yeah, I think that's been really fascinating as well. And there has been something in conservative media of a victory lap going on with these Twitter files as they come out. And we're all just like, oh my goodness, I knew it. I said this was happening. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it's, there's definitely been a bit of a confirmation bias, but it has not really been reported in the New York Times or the Washington Post. We haven't seen broad reporting of this from the very outlets that uh, are entirely culpable for the false narrative that has been pushed since, you know, Donald Trump threw his hat in the ring to be president. Um, but I or they that, actually do the reverse, or they do the yeah. reverse, right? They tell you that it's they actually a it's big trash. nothing burger. It's, yeah. a, it's a conspiracy, right? I mean, it's very similar to when the New York Post dropped their reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop and the shady business dealings, the influence peddling. And instead of any legitimate reporting on that subject, we saw NPR and the Washington Post, the New York Times, I think CNN, all of them came out with their stories about why they would not cover the laptop story as opposed to actually digging into it and looking at it. CBS only just recently, I think in 2022 in the fall said, oh, this is actually legitimate. Meanwhile, you had Emma Jo Morris and you know Jack Posobiec and a bunch of other people saying, look at the laptop, I have the laptop, here it is. Come take it, have a gander at it for yourself, the raw data, um, and those outlets did not wanna do that. In terms of Blumenthal, who you know is such a huckster, I've watched him testify in Congress many times, or you know ask questions um, with people who are testifying, and he is such a joke. Um, but what we look at too, and this is something that Elon Musk said, is that the water that the Twitter employees were swimming in in San Francisco is progressive, leftist, Democrat-biased water. Um, and that's not surprising because all of these people came out of the same universities, studied with the same massively left-leaning professors. We know that if you go to a university and you start talking about, you know, perhaps the going narrative is not actually correct, you don't get as good of a grade as you might if you just uphold the narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that universities are not interested in teaching facts. They're not interested in making sure that you are studying your actual subject. Instead, what they want to do is indoctrinate you. They want to tell you what to think um, and how to think about the world. And that's where these you know, Twitter employees came out of. When you're out there studying tech, also, you're not particularly studying ethics. So you're getting, um, you're getting your, your worldview and perspective sort of secondhand from all of these things. And it just seems like it's totally normal and the way that things are. And right. it really takes questioning, uh, questioning authority, which is something liberals used to love to say. 
to actually start to get to the bottom of things. Right, it seems to me you're, you're taught how to shape the world rather than how to understand the world. But I think you guys are an interesting duo to have on when we're discussing something like this because Josh, you're the opinion editor at Newsweek. So Newsweek, of course, which has existed for many decades as a fairly reputable place of information. And as editor-in-chief of Postmillennial, you Libby, you're, you're doing sort of new school more, more in line with what we do here, like the digital thing. But Josh, you're actually helping Newsweek sort of, you know, jump that that bridge. But when you talk to colleagues at Newsweek or, or mainstream colleagues, are you finding that anyone is moved by this? Or what can, what is it, has the ship sailed basically is what I'm asking when it comes to mainstream. Should we just all go on the assumption that if CNN is telling us anything about this, it's a lie. And what they're not telling us is actually the truth at this point. Look, I mean, I think the corporate media, you know, in part in general, as a general rule, like the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, you know, all the usual actors, you know, I think it's probably fair for the sane right of center half of America to mostly write them off. You know, you will find some, you know, some nice apples, some some good seeds, some diamonds in the rough anywhere. Um, and Newsweek in particular, you know, I mean, I, I, the, the fact that I have been an employee there for almost three years now, I think kind of says all you need to know about kind of mm -hmm. the intellectual mm -hmm. openness of the current management of that company to my boss's great credit. You know, my colleagues definitely, I think, have, have looked at the Hunter Biden, you know, uh, affair since day one. They have looked at the Twitter files with, you know, with eyes wide open, you know, ready to kind of uh, assess what is happening. I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but based on my conversations, I've, you know, I think a, a good number of my colleagues are, are willing and able to look at what is going on here. But, you know, I mean, what Libby said about the CBS News, I mean, finally confirming literally about two years. So, you know, the, the yeah. Hunter Biden laptop story, that story was broken by the New York Post back in October 2020, right yeah. on the precipice of the election. You know, has anyone apologized to the New York Post? I mean, has, has a single person like at CBS, the New York Times or any of these outlets? Uh, how about that that group of 50 so-called intelligence community mm -hmm. national security experts? You know, Jim Clapper, all the folks like that. Have any of them, like a single person, actually formally apologized to the editors on the masthead at the New York Post for just throwing all of that under the bus? To my No, knowledge, but Jim Clapper did get a job at CNN, so that's pretty good. Right, exactly, exactly, right? And you know what Libby said about confirmation bias is exactly right. That's kind of what I was saying earlier about kind of this notion of what Angela Cotavella called the ruling class. You know, when you go to certain institutions, when you kind of work and grow up um, in a certain kind of social milieu, Silicon Valley being a great example of that, obviously, you are trained to take in certain information and then block other information. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's obviously captured all too many of our once great institutions. Yeah, Libby, I suppose as someone doing new media, you view this like sort of as net good for what you guys are building. And, and I do as well, actually, at a personal level, but I still am worried what it means at a societal level, because as those two avenues just go further and further apart, it's impossible to convince people of anything. And I have no doubt that there are some decent people on the other side that probably think we're all nuts. I mean, I'm fairly certain we're giving evidence of what we're talking about here, but therein lies the rub. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the, you know, the diverging paths and the diverging paths politically in society, in American society right now, because it certainly did not start, this divergence did not start with politics, it started with culture. Mm -hmm. And we've been seeing this cultural divide come for some time, and now it's taking root in politics as well. But in culture, we've seen the fracturing of our entertainment, we've seen the fracturing of our values, and we've been seeing that for more than a decade now. So it's actually no surprise that, you know, some of us are watching 
one show on Netflix and never even heard of the show that everybody else is raving about on the other side of the cultural divide. And now we have this political divide. But I think that, you know, one thing that I find really interesting is when I do talk to liberals, um, for example, my mother, who is incredibly liberal, um, when I talk to her or other people that I know who are of that political persuasion, they typically, when you say something to them like, hey, it turns out that the entire democratic machine has been literally lying to the face of the American yeah. people for this entire time, they're like, no, that couldn't be right. I didn't read about it in the New York Times. And the corruption of the New York Times, um, I, as a post-millennial, I have slammed the New York Times over and over again. And it's because I am just so personally disappointed mm -hmm. with the Times, which I used to read Mm -hmm. daily and on sunday i would spend hours drinking coffee and luxuriating in you know their magazine section and whatever else and i loved it so it's disappointing to see a news outlet with this much history with this much resources with bureaus internationally all over the world uh refusing to actually report on what's going on in our country um and that's the thing that it's really hard to get past is when you Libby, talk to a liberal person and they just don't believe you because it just sounds so insane. And you're you've like, really yes, had you've really had an evolution here. It sounds like you were actually the girl in the in like the prototypical New York Times commercial. They'd be playing light yeah. jazz in the background. It's Sunday. Her cat's there like on her head and she's drinking coffee. And oh, my God, I'm learning about shoes struggling. or but yes, yes. Little eggs, Benny, with the spinach. For Let's sure. just say for you're sure. on the you're on the right side now. Let, all right, so let's move over to to the second topic. The the big thing this week is that these classified documents were found now at two locations related to Joe Biden. Uh, so a quick headline from the Daily Wire: uh, Report classified documents found in Biden's private office covered Iran, Ukraine, and UK. Uh, and now it turns out that some other documents were found at one of his houses that apparently at one time, at least Hunter Biden claimed to have lived in. Uh, so we are gonna have a, uh, a special counsel looking into this. Here's Merrick Garland making the announcement. U.S. Attorney Lausch and his team of prosecutors and agents have conducted this initial investigation with professionalism and speed. I am grateful to them. Earlier today, I signed an order appointing Robert Hur a special counsel for the matter I've just described. The document authorizes him to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with this matter. The special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day -day supervision of any official of the department, but he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department. Mr. Hur has a long and distinguished career as a prosecutor. All right, so I just want to be clear on the Trump version of this. From day one, I never thought anything was going to come of it. The president also has the ability to declassify things. The VP, which Biden was at the time, does not have that ability. I also just felt like everything they've done related to Trump always falls through, so that one was going to fall through. This one, although my, my sort of intellectual side is going, nothing's going to come of it, my more conspiratorial and everything conspiratorial becomes true side is going, oh, this is how they're going to get rid of him. This is actually it because they know they can't run him again. He's too old. He has dementia. They've got to figure out a way to get Newsom in there or something like that. So, Josh, do, do you think that the, the machine or whatever you want to call it, the, the elites, the, the people you were talking about before, that this is the opportunity? Because when Biden says, I don't know what was there, I don't know what was happening, I actually do believe him. I don't think he moved the boxes there himself. I don't think he has a freaking clue what's going on. <laughs> 
So this is a wild story. I have I have so many thoughts on this, but to answer your top line question, Dave, I mean, my short answer is yes. I mean, that was the column that I wrote literally that came out just this morning. The title of this column was, is the deep state coming after Joe Biden? I mean, that is 100%. Oh, there you go. All right, I'll share it after the show. Yeah, no, that is, that is 100% my kind of bottom line takeaway as to what is happening here. The timeline kind of gives away the game. So it was, it was apparently on November 2nd when Sauber, Robert Sauber, if I, if I have his first name correctly, who was Joe Biden's personal attorney, when they first discovered these classified documents deep in the bowels of this Chinese Communist Party-funded, you know, Penn Biden Center money laundering operation there in D.C. And then apparently it was in December, I think it was around December 20th, that they discovered these classified documents, you know, next to that shiny prized Corvette of Joe Biden's in his in his infamously now locked garage in, in Wilmington, Delaware. So th the point is we've known about this for a while. So th the obvious question then that every American who pays attention to this stuff should be asking is why now? Why now in January after the Kevin McCarthy speaker battle has, mm -hmm. has finished, after the new Congress is sworn in as Joe Biden is, is presumably getting geared up for the second half of his first term, why now? And, you know, I think Occam's razor, the most straightforward answer, Dave, is the one that you just teased, which is that there are, I think there are probably some forces in the DNC, in kind of the federal law enforcement apparatus, who want Joe Biden gone. They see that, he, or at least they think that he did his job in preventing the, the red wave that many of us, yours truly included, thought would happen in the, in the November elections two months ago. So I, I think from that vantage point, Joe Biden did his job. But at this point, you know, he's doddering Joe Biden from Delaware. He doesn't have a clue what time it is. He has no idea what day of the week it is, as you properly said there. And I think the thought process here and, you know, Dave, don't kick me off the program there. But my best guess is that these folks that want Biden out, they probably want your arch nemesis, Gavin Newsom, there in 24. That's my best guess. Oh, I mean, I fully believe that. I, I think that where the country seems to be headed is the great, if, if people thought that the Trump-Hillary showdown was the great showdown, the great showdown to me really is the Florida versus California showdown because that really shows which way this country is gonna go. Are we gonna become a communist state, possibly, or are we going to be a free country? And, and that maybe is the showdown we should have. I certainly welcome that, that showdown. Uh, Libby, to sort of link this though to, to the previous story in terms of the perception of all of this, did you happen to see the clip of Joy Behar on The View talking about this a day or two ago where basically she said, we think Trump's a liar, so we think that you know he obviously did something wrong with his docs. We don't think Biden's a liar, so it sounds like this is a setup, that's what Sonny Hostin said, or something like that. And that sort of gets to what we were talking about earlier related to the, the perception part of this, and even if they have the most smoking mm -hmm. gun ever, you know, a document signed by Joe Biden saying, here are the nuclear secrets, China, right. go to town, and here's the naked picture of Hunter with the thing and the sniffing kid right. and all the, the that they will just not care. Yeah, I think that's right. I did see that clip. Um, we covered that. She also was saying that she thought uh, perhaps conservative or Republicans, whatever, new term, whatever, <laughs> had planted the documents in his uh, locked yeah, garage yeah, yeah. Right by his Corvette. It's all just so absurd. And they're so intent on getting Trump. And we saw this morning, too, um, Kevin McCarthy talking about perhaps he would consider uh, expunging the record on Trump's impeachments. And if you look at those impeachments, both of them were based entirely and 100% on false premises. They took this whole two years of their uh, January 6th committee and they found nothing. They have nothing. They have nothing 
on the um, you know 2019 allegations that turned out to be all entirely a fabrication. And they're so determined to uh, make Trump pay because he broke their brains and they cannot stand that he broke their brains, that they will come up with any uh, procession of lies uh, and this in this clown circus that they have created out of our political landscape in order to try and go after him. This is the ultimate ends justifies the means. So long as they get Trump in the end, they don't care how many um, truths they have to slaughter to get there. Speaking of truth they have to slaughter, Biden's line on this has also been that it was just a small amount of documents, as if there's a caveat in the law like, oh yeah, you can move a small amount of classified documents. Just They seized empty folders from Trump's house. Yeah. Empty <laughs> folders. And it's, this is a small amount of documents. Give me the empty folders. I'm pretty sure there is a manila envelope shortage thanks to the supply chain issue yeah. related to Biden. But here's Peter Ducey asking Biden about all of this and he's referencing what you talked about, Josh. There's a Corvette there, so everything's gotta be secure. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, look, I'm gonna get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, People, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. It's just so stupid. Like, he's so muddled and he reads very poorly the statement right after that. But like the garage, saying the garage is locked, Everyone keeps their crap in the garage. That's what you keep in the garage. <laughs> if someone was gonna break into my house and they would ask me before, hey, which room would you prefer you break into? I would say the garage, that's all the crap. I have all the plastic cups in there and the, 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 the seasonal, ugh. Josh. Yeah, yeah but they, compare, compare the garage to where Trump was allegedly storing exactly. his documents in Mar-a-Lago, which, which was in a skiff. And you know, the, this difference between an ex-president and an ex-vice president, which you hinted at earlier, Dave, this makes all the difference in the mm -hmm. world. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer by background. I'll, I'll do the whole constitutional law thing just for a second here. So Article 2 of the U.S. Constitution vests the executive power in one person, in the president of the United States and the president of the United States alone. What that means, as I said in my column this morning, is that the vice president has no more executive power properly construed than any other cabinet official or, frankly, than a White House janitor. So the vice president is completely, is completely incapable of making any kind of spot declassification, classification decisions. Barack Obama, when he was president, could have made those decisions. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, now that he's president, can make those decisions. But when Joe Biden was vice president, he had no power whatsoever. And another thing that every office of the ex-president has, you know, being a former president of the United States is a pretty big deal. You get kind of lifelong secret service protection and you get this skip to host personal copies of your records from your time at the White House. Vice presidents, again, do not get that. So this distinction is a big, big, big difference there. And, you know, frankly, after kind of the first revelation at the, at, at the Penn Biden Center earlier this week, you know, my reaction was like a little muddled. I was like, okay, this is like really, really bad. But, uh, you know, I'm told by the mainstream media that it's not a ton of, that it's not a ton of documents. Now, after yesterday's news with these two tranches of documents, that there were a bunch in the garage and apparently there was one other document they found elsewhere in the house. 
I, I really do think this is considerably worse, considerably worse than what happened to President Trump, given all that we just said there. And obviously, as the world saw, you know, Mar-a-Lago got this unprecedented FBI pre-dawn raid. Joe Biden's Corvette garage in Wilmington, Delaware, has received no such treatment at all. Libby, if you're Biden right now, and I get it, you're probably just, you know, wondering what time the pudding comes in. But if you're someone related to Biden that you and you like Joe Biden, are you basically just trying to find the fall guy now? Because Joe obviously himself did not move the documents, right? He didn't pick up the box and put them there. I have no doubt, even, even if you give him all the cognitive skills that he doesn't have, that he had nothing to do with it directly. That, that would be my fair guess. But do you think they're just running around going, okay, who, who do we have to get to take the fall for this? Is it literally like the moving guy or is it that Hunter somehow did it or somebody else? Yeah, they're gonna look for someone to take the fall for Biden unless as you suggest, they want Biden to take the fall for this one. Um, you know, if they really wanna get him, we're gonna see a new groping allegation come out. That's how mm -hmm. they really go take people down. We look at what happened to uh, Andrew Cuomo which I think uh, could have something of a test case going right. on here. Or they announce um, the cognitive stuff. I think it's one of those yeah, two. They, yeah. But, but they, they don't, I don't think they want him to run in 2024. I don't think he's capable of running in 2024. The question is, who would they get to replace him? And if it's someone like Gavin Newsom um, and they continue to manipulate media and manipulate perception, then we're in a lot of trouble because that man has completely destroyed California and his next step would be to destroy the United States. I wanna be very clear about my feelings about this. If Gavin Newsom runs for president, I, I'm literally devoting my life to destroying him and destroying his campaign. He, he will not export that evil shit, not to my free state of Florida or any of these other good places. I do not like Gavin Newsom in case people didn't know how I feel about that. All right, let's, let's shift to uh, one more story for the week because there was a clip that went viral. I wanted to play it all week and we got distracted with some other things, but it's a really, really fascinating clip. Uh, Patrick Bet David, uh, who is a finance guy and has a really fantastic podcast. Uh, he had uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is, I guess, what we would call a science communicator. He goes on Bill Maher all the time. He's a sort of darling of the mainstream media to explain science to people, sort of in the Bill Nye the Science Guy mold. And, uh, and he talks about physics and astronomy and a whole bunch more. He's sort of a modern day Carl Sagan kind of thing. Uh, and he went on Patrick's podcast and they started talking about vaccines and efficacy and personal responsibility. And it's a really, really great moment here. The clip's about a minute long. Oh, your own body, your own body. Sorry. If you want to get an abortion, get an abortion. If I want to get the vaccine, I get to choose. So you can't force, if, if I can't force you to get an abortion, you shouldn't be able to force because me to get Because it's the... not about you. It's about people you interact with. And that's the social contract of public but we health. don't we don't even know if the vaccine worked or not at the time. Yes, that's what the trials are, dude. That's why these trials. What, you, are you missing data out but, there? But let me ask you a question. Are we saying only one type of scientists are right? No, we're saying that the system in place, the sixteen thousand oh, that signed that. No, no, no. The the system in place to test vaccines. Yeah. Th th there's an entire system that's in place. That, that with review boards and all of this, yeah, the average that's in place. Now, you can say, you can what you can say is, I, I have a better idea than all these review boards and all these agencies and the CDC. I have a better idea. Here's what you should do. And that would have made everything better. Okay, you can put forth that idea. But what I'm saying is, in a case where you can contaminate someone else, it's not about you. It's about the collective you're assuming health you're assuming you're assuming because somebody can take the vaccine 
uh, won't get COVID, which, by the way, I don't need to play the clips for you to see it where everybody said, hey, if you get it, you're not going to get If you take the vaccine, you're not going to get a Rachel Maddow, Joe Biden. I can give you Fauci. I can give you fit. And you've seen these clips before. It's not like you've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. What happened? They was, were wrong. Hold on. So, so, um, the strain evolved. Man, there, there's so much more of that. But, I mean, Tyson basically gets demolished. Uh, he, he, in essence, demolishes himself. Patrick's a great interviewer. He wasn't trying to get him. He was actually just laying out some facts there. But I want to start with uh, something he said towards the end there. There's a system in place. And what that made me mm-hmm. think is, you know, Tyson is also a very well-known atheist. And I believe that people have to believe in something one way or another. So once he took away any belief system as an atheist, he had to believe in the system. So he had to believe that the trials and the tests and the things that the scientists and experts said were going to work because it is in human nature to believe something. Josh, am I just a crazy person when I say things like that? No, not even remotely. I, I mean, this is, the, this is the distinction between science and scientism or lowercase s science and capital S science, if you prefer. I mean, scientism is kind of this all-encompassing kind of quasi-theological structure of beliefs that includes kind of, you know, teleological kind of final questions. I mean, that seems to be what Neil deGrasse Tyson believes there. But, you know, on the more specific part of preventing transmission there, you know, I, I, I could be wrong about this, but I think either Fauci or someone else there in the Biden administration actually admitted on CNN this past October that, that the vaccines do not stop transmission of the virus. So we have finally gotten to the point. I mean, you oh, know, no, everyone's was, admitting it now. Yeah, I'm pretty probably. sure. I mean, even the CDC and, and HHS now, if you look at their Twitter ads, they're basically admitting it in the way they're selling the vaccines now. They're not saying that it will stop it. Right. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, first of all, is relying on outmoded talking points. If he's still trying to kind of hawk the notion that the vaccine prevents transmission, where we, you know, anyone who's been paying a modicum of attention basically since the vaccines were rolled out in 2021 has been able to tell that they do no such thing. But, you know, in appealing to this broader idea of a system, this idea of a social contract, he, I think he's doing exactly what you're saying he is, Dave. And, you know, I mean, you know, not to like try to sound like a, you know, fire and brimstone preacher or whatever, but I think that this very, this obviously is kind of a natural consequence of when you try to view the world, then you have no accounts for how humans are there, or how the mm-hmm. sun comes up in the morning without kind of appealing to a higher power. I mean, you're going to end up appealing to the science, capital S science. So I, I think you're spot on, basically. Uh, Libby, he said something else that I thought was a couple things that were interesting because they were all wrong. He also said, well, if you have an alternate theory, in essence, then you should put that forth. Except all of the people that were for HCQ and monoclonal antibodies and how about getting some sunlight and maybe not sitting on your fat ass and eating Chinese food all day, they were all told that they're anti-vaxxers and anti-science and everything else by people like him. Not only by people like him, but by the federal government, by the Biden administration, by Twitter executives, by Yoel Roth. They were suppressed. They were censored. They were kicked off the Internet, which is where all of us get together to share our, you know, better ideas. Uh, But just to take off on what you were talking about in terms of God, we have replaced God with man-made systems and the false idol of the self. And once those systems begin to crumble and atheists look straight into the void um, that those who are religiously affiliated know exists beyond religion, uh, they can't handle it. And their entire 
mental capability for assessing and perceiving the world and society begins to crumble into little tiny bits. And that's what we're going to see happen increasingly as these revelations come out and they become perhaps impossible to deny, which I hope that they will. But in terms of the censorship, we saw that again in the Twitter files. Um, it was distinctly apparent that anything that went against the idea that vaccines for COVID were 100% thoroughly effective with absolutely no side effects at all, anything that went against that mantra was silenced and suppressed. And if you take a look back at times in history when the United States has developed vaccines, for example, for polio, which was a much more um, difficult and uh, dangerous disease, you had the federal government come out and say, yes, there will be um, side effects for people. There, there will be problems. Some people will have problems when taking this vaccine. There will be people who die after taking the vaccine, whether because of the vaccine or because of coincidences that they were going to die anyway. Uh, and it, the government at that time, I think, treated the American people like the intelligent people that we are, as opposed to demanding that we all believe a fairy story about systems and guidance and efficacy that just uh, has not proven out. I don't know, man. Somehow I knew from beat one that it was all bullshit. You know, you turn on any TV show and you watch commercials all day long for every prescription drug for restless leg syndrome mm -hmm. or depression yes. or your eyelashes are too short or your ears falling off. And what do they do? Half of the commercial is you're going to have violent diarrhea, spastic legs, you know, like all thoughts of suicide, vomiting, mm -hmm. diarrhea. It all sounds worse than whatever your initial problem is. Yes. But somehow with COVID... You know, it's like, I wasn't depressed, then I took this depression pill, now I'm having horrific diarrhea and vomiting all the time. I'm a little <laughs> depressed. <laughs> the best ones are the depression medications that actually come with the side effect of thoughts of suicide. And you're like, really? Because I was depressed, I don't want to take the drug and then right. have more depressed. Plus, I had just like mild diarrhea, depression, now I'm thinking of killing myself, I'm having diarrhea, I'm vomiting, my legs are freaking out, like, Jesus. Uh, you know, anyway. may result in dysentery, okay. <laughs> So, so one of the people who, who has been instrumental in, I think, a lot of the wake-up related to the, the, let's say, red-pilled people of all of this is Dr. Robert Malone. And Robert Malone, who is sort of famous for getting on Joe Rogan, nobody really knew who he was outside of the science, science community before he went on Rogan, he, he is basically the inventor of our mRNA technology, and he holds more patents on mRNA technology than anyone. Uh, he had a tweet related to all of this. He put up this image. He said, just putting this out there uh, does not need anything more. And Josh, this is to your point of how these guys uh, have lied about everything. Dr. Fauci, when people are vaccinated, they're not going to get infected. Joe Biden, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, vaccinated people do not carry the virus and do not get sick. MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, now we know the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops. Bill Gates, everyone who takes the vaccine is reducing their transmission. Pfizer CEO Albert Borla, there is no variant that escapes the protection of our vaccines. Isn't that last one the most fascinating, having just listened to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson because he says, well, it, it evolved, it evolved, but Borla was saying, no, 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 we got you covered. Josh, none of these people are gonna get fired either, are they? No, of Some of them are not, not. not working at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> 
No, of course not. And, and it just goes back to the whole idea of confirmation bias. But you know, at this point, anyone who has even a modicum of intellectual honesty will readily concede that the vaccines do not do what Pfizer, Moderna, and the various peddlers of these products told the American people that they would do. You know, just a month and a half ago, I was at Brown University. I mean, maybe the most iconically liberal university in America. I was doing a public health debate with a political science professor there. We were debating both Obamacare and COVID. And even my interlocutor, this very kind of orthodox left of center, kind of standard boilerplate kind of ruling class guy, even he conceded to me, actually, that the vaccines do not prevent transmission. He was appealing to get vaccinated on other grounds, but even he was ready to concede that. You know, Dave, you and I have have privately texted about this. And, you know, uh, kudos to you for not, you know, for not buying the hype since day one. I tragically did. I mean, I did get that Moderna jab back in April 2021. I have not gotten any kind of so-called booster since then. But if there was a way that I could unvax myself, I would do so in a heartbeat. Because the more and more that we learn about the side effects of these drugs, I, I, I just have severe, severe regret, frankly, that I did it in the first place. Listen, I'll be happy to give your eulogy. Daphne, can we uh, just make note of that? <laughs> when uh, they take out Josh, I'll... <laughs> Libby, bring us home. I'm really glad that I never got my son vaccinated despite the masses and masses of pressure in New York City to do so. Uh, instead of getting vaccinated so that we could go to New York City dining establishments, we just kept driving to New Jersey and we had a great time. So um, yeah, I'm still just pleased that I did that uh, or did not do that for him. I did get vaccinated like Josh. I would happily take back the vax. Um, and the further I get away from it, the gladder I am that I have not succumbed to any of the continuous booster shots. It was sort of interesting. Um, I, I was concerned that perhaps it was the apocalypse when the pandemic began because I'm always sort of low-key concerned that it's the apocalypse. It's just sort of in my nature to believe that perhaps it's all coming to a crashing end right away. Yeah. Um, but then after the two weeks to stop the spread, I was like, okay, so we're, we're done now. Now we've mitigated the mass hysteria at the hospitals. And then what really did the trick for me was when 10,000 people were allowed to show up and in protest for black trans lives outside of the Brooklyn Museum in the beginning of June after George Floyd's death. And I thought, okay, so 10,000 people are allowed to show up outside the Brooklyn Museum, but me and my kid can't go to a play or a movie or into a shop without wearing masks. And then you had Andrew Cuomo telling everyone, no contact tracing for if people have been at protests. If they've yep. been at protests, don't ask them because that's just, that's not okay. The, the right to go out and protest for black trans lives was more essential than all of the other rights they had taken away from us during that period of time. Absolutely horrifying. Um, and we should never let anything like that ever happen again. And I think it's a kudos to all of the people who were reporting during that time and screaming about it. Carol Markowitz for sure. Uh, just saying, you guys are crazy. You can't have my rights. Absolutely stop and back off. And it's a good thing that there were so many people, despite the censorship, censorship and suppression, who did that. Always happy to give a shout out to our friend Carol Markowitz, who, by the way, just like me, I think the exact same week as me, moved to the free state of Florida from New York because she couldn't take it anymore. Uh, Libby, I did not know you were vaxxed as well. I am willing to, I don't know if this is possible, if you guys would like me to send you a vial of blood, Josh, I can deliver it. I'm heading to your area tonight for a dinner thing. Uh, Libby, I can have it shipped to you. And then I don't know what you do with that exactly, but you know, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm clean, I'm clean. So I'm just saying, uh, guys, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed this, uh, this two guests instead of three things. So maybe we'll keep doing this and I'd uh, love to have you guys back. Have a great weekend. 
I'm gonna continue uh, with the locals community right now. As you guys know, we do a post-game wrap-up where you guys can uh, talk directly to me, ask some questions, some comments, uh, and then we'll roll into the weekend. So if you wanna do that, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. I think the direct link is right down below if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble. Uh, and I will be back in 37 seconds. These are nice cars. These are luxury automobiles. I got a whole place. They're fully loaded. They're loaded with dead hookers. Not either. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.